Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. That lake was 62 degrees yesterday. Today it's up to 68. That's a sunny day. Mr. Roy, it takes a geological event to heat a million gallons of water by 6 degrees in 12 hours. What is a geological event? As part of our Bargain Bin series, today we are looking at Volcano, Starry, Tommy Lee Jones, Anne Hesch, Don Cheadle, Jacqueline Kim, Keith David, and Lava, directed by Mick Jackson. But when Mount St. Helens blew, the force was 27,000 times greater than that of the Hiroshima bomb. Hello and welcome to the Rewire Movie Podcast. This is Gally, not in Glasgow. And this is Devlin, not quite in London, as we are coming to you live for the first time ever in the same room in a beautiful apartment hotel in glorious sunny Croydon. Today we are launching our new series, which is our Bargain Bin. Devlin, do you want to explain to the listeners what the Bargain Bin involves? I would love to. Um, So far, our throwback series has always focused on films that for one reason or another were uh, influential or formative. These are films that we um, we watched a lot of when we were in our youth and that were very important to us for whatever reason. Uh, the Bargain Bin is going to look at those films which were just ubiquitous. The films that when we were kids, they were just around, they were on TV all the time. And now, even to this day, this is the kind of stuff that is just... It's just always there. And you've probably watched this film in 15 to 20 minute increments <laughs> when you had nothing better to do at 2.30 in the morning on ITV4. To that end, let's introduce today's film, which is... Volcano, starring Tommy Lee Jones, or for the rest of this podcast, TLJ. Are we happy with that? Uh, thrilled. We're going to try and explore themes, characters, all the stuff that these films quite honestly do not deserve but hey ho we're gonna waste our time and we're gonna probably waste yours <laughs> that is that is how i see this going yes <laughs> can i uh can i have a plot synopsis one of our patented plot synopses you absolutely can this is directly from uh from amazon prime you can also watch volcano and other other perfectly good streaming sites a volcano erupts in downtown la threatening to destroy the city and that pretty much sums up the plotting of this film? That is our narrative. Do you remember the first time you saw it? That is a good question. And the answer is no. It, much like with a lot of these, these bargain bin films that we're going to be looking at, they're just always there. Now, I definitely didn't see this at the cinema. I would remember. Cinema in Darlington was cheap, but not, <laughs> not, so, cheap, not so cheap that I wouldn't go <laughs> a- any more than maybe four or five times a year. In 1997, I remember being quite a busy year for films, so uh, I did not take the time to watch Volcano in the cinema. How about you? This was a blockbuster special, 100%. Um, I was a huge fan of Twister. I went to the cinema. I think I saw Twister more times at the cinema than I saw Jurassic Park, which is pretty crazy. I absolutely loved Twister. So Volcano was one of those right on my radar. One of the things we're going to do with this one, though, is we're kind of going to focus on Volcano, but it's hard to talk about Volcano without doing 
a almost versus battle with mm. Pierce Brosnan's Dante's Peak. So we are going to probably do some comparing contrasts, no? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, it's kind of uh, inevitable. They are. It, it, you want to say that again? <laughs> I don't, no, I don't think. I, I don't think I do. Do you? Inevitable. It, it, it is inevitable. Uh, yeah, we're going to try not to focus on that one too much, but you have to. Uh, to which end? Um, did you watch Dante's Peak at the cinema? I, I went to see Dante speak at the cinema. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I was a big, big Pierce Brosnan fan. For my sins, I absolutely loved Goldeneye. And oh, Goldeneye is good. Unfortunately, probably going to be a future episode bargain bin. I also loved Lawnmower Man. Oh, but... fucking yes. <laughs> but... Lawnmower Man is fantastic. I, um, I'm not sure it's going to hold up to scrutiny now, but we'll see. Because I think that will probably be one that we will do later on. Well, I okay. I look forward to getting into a back and forth with you about whether a chimpanzee in virtual reality <laughs> gunning down soldiers is not the preamble to the best film ever made. Indeed. Let's, uh, I don't know, let's, let's dive straight into why this film came about. The 90s was a, was a plethora of disaster films, mm. uh, a genre that was really, really popularized in the 70s, but there were disaster films before that. You know, even looking at the the old King Kongs. Yeah, I was going to say. Are, would, a, you say yeah. would you say King Kong's a disaster? It's movie? a disaster film. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, I, I think in the nineties, you focus on the natural disaster, and I have a thesis on why that is. Excellent. That the that the nineties uh, focus so much on weather and nature being the greatest villain that we will ever face. But yeah, it seemed to be that when you think disaster film, you tend to think of classic Tower Inferno, Poseidon Adventure. Do you remember Swarm with Michael Caine? That yes. Wasps. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, oh, it's fucking brilliant. Um, <laughs> I think I took that out of our university library. I, Do you remember the, the, yeah, the yeah, VHS yeah. library? Uh, yeah, we, well, we, we, <laughs> we didn't have money, so we used to no. just get, we used to get our VHS tapes from the, the library. But yeah, the Swarm with Michael Caine was a personal favorite of mine. It was a regular on Sky in the daytime. So that was one that I used to always go to. And again, it's a classic disaster film. You know, so the other one, uh, which is so beautifully parodied, is is Airport. Yes. So they tend to be multiple characters, loads of subplots, essentially about survival and tackling the disaster itself. Yeah. And in the in the midst of the disaster, we have these human tales of courage, love, the evil bastards that <laughs> that don't want to believe it all that Ooh. kind of stuff they're very formulaic but they are incredibly popular in the 70s and the 90s they had a major major resurgence i would suggest that it was down to the advent of cgi the ability to then basically do the impossible on screen yeah i.e twister you know yeah flying you, you flying cows you can't make uh, you can't make twister on a um... <laughs> You know, I, I don't actually remember how they did the tornado in The Wizard of Oz. Literally don't remember what it looked well, like. I, I assume it was lot wildly of, unconvincing. Yeah, a lot of miniatures. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was the 90s. And you're right, this year we had, in 97, we had Volcano, we had Dante's Peak. Again, two very different approaches to the same subject matter. Which one is better? We will probably decide at the end of this review. Yeah. But let's get into... Let's get into Volcano, shall we? Okay, so um, you wanted to talk about 
why this film would have been greenlit and you had a theory about the script. So I want to hear that. My theory is that the script <laughs> was was in draft form and they realized that they had a competing film being made and they just rushed it through because you're jumping on the back of Twister, which made like $220 million, which is huge for that film. I, that, the budget for that film wasn't great either. I think it was like 60, 70 million. There's no real recognizable stars. It's a vehicle for Helen Hunt, but Bill Paxton's Bill Paxton. He's a great actor, but he's, you know, he's very rarely been the leading man and that's why Twister's one of the only ones. So pretty cheap to make and really all the money's going on the special effects. Volcano feels like a similar thing. But yeah, that's that's my theory is that they rush this script through. But I know you're itching to tell me the truth. Well, you know what? It's not all that, that far from it. So I managed to uh, dig up a contemporaneous article from the New York Times from 1996. So this was the point at which this film was in production, as was Dante's Peak, as was, or at least mentioned at the time, a third film being made by Disney called Ring of Fire which I've never heard of, neither of you, because they didn't make it. All three of these things were optioned at similar times. Now, uh, the script for this is credited to two people, uh, Jerome Anderson mm-hmm. and Billy Ray. Ah. Billy Ray is a name that we now know because he's gone on to do other work. He did the um, wrote and directed Shattered Glass, yeah. which was the film that a lot of people point to to say that Hayden Christensen isn't the world's <laughs> most useless planker wood and that he can act if you let him. Yeah. Um, and if he doesn't have to do Lucas dialogue, he was a writer on Captain Phillips and uh, also made what I can only assume is a literal swimming pool full of money for writing The Hunger Games. Yes. Yes. Uh, the other writer, Jerome Anderson, if you look him up on IMDb, you'll notice that he has no other produced screenplays. His story is a bit <laughs> odd. He, so I, I have a little excerpt from the, uh, from the interview here. He was saying that he's well-versed in the idea that uh, Hollywood tends to have the same ideas at the same time. Mm. He wrote a spec script, which was about what if a baby could talk like a human, like an adult, Mm. and then finished it, was very proud, and then uh, one month later found out that Look Who's Talking was going into production. That's exactly what I was just about to say. (laughs) Uh, This is all, this is shit that he himself is telling the press, so it's possible that it is absolute nonsense. But it's just, it's very interesting that he is credited with story and script. He had an agent, clearly, and the script was picked up and shopped around. Uh, A producer attached themselves, Mm -hmm. and they started shopping it to studios. Fox 2000 uh, put up the money for this one, gave this guy, I believe it was half a mil, for his one and only produced screenplay. And then the article states um, the studio are currently um, have set a script doctor on it to rewrite. So that's where you end up with Billy Ray, who later ends on uh, ends up having a a long and more interesting writing career. Mm. So it, when you get into the mechanics of this shit, you're probably not wrong in that it was it was a script that was bought after both Disney and who was it who produced Dante's Peak. Universal. They'd already bought that. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, we're kind of we're kind of doing something similar. Yeah, and also uh, the article mentioned that um, at the point that the script was even being shopped around, um, uh, is Roger Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, who Roger made Donaldson, uh, Dante's Peak. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, just coming off, uh, just coming off species. Species. Brilliant. Yeah, another bargain bin. <laughs> yeah. Another future episode. So yeah, and then they uh, then they shop around for a director, and they end up with. 
<laughs> Mick Jackson. Yeah. Who he's got a really, really interesting career, and we'll maybe just go over that quickly. Mm. So British director, pretty much renowned for docudramas for the BBC and Channel Four. Uh, then moves over to Hollywood, and his biggest, biggest hit is is The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. There's there's some stuff in Volcano where you can see his formatting of normal docudramas seeping into this huge special effects laden mm. Hollywood blockbuster starring TLJ. Well, his his, uh, his highest profile work probably to this day that he directed the uh, BBC. Um, TV movie uh, Threads, mm. which is a genuinely harrowing piece about what would happen were uh, an atomic explosion to to occur in Sheffield, and it's <laughs> in Sheffield. Sheffield. Well, some um, might argue that that's already happened. Uh, <laughs> that cheap gag. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Listen, the lead mill is a great place to go for a proper indie night out. So. That's true. It's I, very I got good. my heart's in Sheffield. And plus, when Saturday comes, where, about, where else to go? <laughs> so we have, a, we have a guy who's, who's made a very renowned docudrama. He looked into what would happen with you know, radiation poisoning. Uh, so they were very, very stringent as far as the uh, research that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck knows where his researchers were <laughs> when, he, when he moved to Hollywood. Apparently, he didn't need them anymore. And then, and then you end up with the cast. We end up with yeah. I mean, so we. I mean, we'll talk quickly about Tommy Lee Jones before we then start talking about his performance yeah. in the film. But like, where where but he's he's got an interesting nineties because he kind of, as far as films concerned, I've always thought that Tommy Lee Jones was just there. But actually, you look at his body of work, and he did a lot of television. You know, he started acting in like the sixties, but hell if I've seen any of those films. But he ended up being somebody that was just in every film in the 90s yeah. and it kind of it kind of like spiraled and domino effects from what the fugitive but he's in like is it's not in the firm there's a the client he's in jfk hmm. batman forever when he's cackling away under of, under siege one of the many ashley judds Oh, Double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy, yeah, yeah. You know, Men in Black, Volcano. He is just everywhere. And Tommy Lee Jones, for me, this is one of the only films where I would say he's the bona fide star of the film. You know, his name's above the volcano. He gets top (laughs) billion above the volcano. I always think that he works better as a supporting actor. In this, he hasn't got much to do. But again, with one of the things that works with most disaster films is that you you cast good solid character actors that can bring something to a role that's not written on the page and there is numerous examples of that in this film yeah should we get into it then Devlin? let's get straight into the film we get some on-screen text and the on-screen text helpfully describes what the fuck oem is <laughs> yep do you want to tell me what oem is i still haven't really uh, quite got around the office of emergency management and it also explains why any of these fully qualified city officials should listen to fucking Tommy Lee Jones just because he barges in there and starts ordering people around. Why the police, fire brigade, city planners, city workers, demolitions crew, why any of these people should listen to this weird hangdog fallback of a man. There is, there is no good reason. No, there isn't. Uh, one of the other things that we get, so again, typical disaster movie stuff, you know, we get to see people doing their mundane 
rituals yeah. in the morning you know one of the things that really doesn't really go anywhere is the metro is highlighted we have protesters yeah. and well, we this have this the... um we have this this cast you know a, a kind of diverse cast of characters through which we're going to uh, experience this volcano oh and we're under no illusions that there is going to be a volcano there is immediately lava yes after well the, after the opening shot you, it, the camera disappears under some pavement crack and then there's there's mm-hmm. a yeah, fire the, in there it's we, the technical term of volcano volcano i don't know if we see one we see lava we see lava. <laughs> i'm not I sure i don't know the, if that the, constitutes the poster a is like an asylum poster they lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's no there's no mountain it's just a it's just a bubbling a little, hole in the little ground. bubbling hole so we get this diverse cast of characters we have a doctor who hmm. is hooked up with some rich guy that rich guy is Playing double double agent with some protesters. There's quite yeah. a lot of socialism. There is well, there's a the there's a uh, the the protest by the fantastically named was it uh, sensible transport only please, which is stop, which is great, <laughs> which also, may as well be from Brass Eye with yeah. the oh, shat, fucked and bombed. It's very rare to have a protest group end the name of their protest group with please so that's nice that's yeah, very polite that's very nice yeah. uh but yeah they uh the reason they don't want a metro is that uh poor people will use it <laughs> yeah, and get so, to the nice bits yeah, of town so... <laughs> oh yeah so we have our like ultimate dickhead straight away set up yeah he's going out with the doctor yep the doctor who will do her duty but has also got a rolex which is pointed out and we get our first little quake yeah. And then we see Stan, uh, who's yes. played by oh John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch, who you guys will know from, well, I'd say Zodiac is probably the one, yeah. but he's also in Mercury Rising. He's yeah. fantastic in Fargo. Tyler, we also meet uh, our geologist. Oh, a geologist, of course. We have two nerds. One of the the male nerd who is not given a name. No, I don't think. No, um, no, he's not given a name. He is fully. Simpsons slash Revenge of the Nerds nerd. He has those glasses that nobody owns. He does. He, has he may as well say Mr. Simpson. <laughs> we all have nose bleeds. We have nose bleeds. Yeah, he is that guy. Oh, dear. <laughs> the wallet inspector is here. <laughs> I think everything should be in order here. <laughs> and, uh, and they are bickering over who is going to go out and speak to the press. And of course, our celebrity, glossy geologist slash seismologist good morning good morning good morning how are you all right who is to blame for the introduction of sexy scientists in films and and hesh's character amy uh there's a lot of her character which i think is just directly ripping off dr ellie sattler indeed the lovely ellie sattler yeah she's she's super sexy scientist and you're absolutely right i'm gonna con- completely blame Jurassic Park, you know, mm-hmm. rock star Jeff Goldblum. And then we end up with Twister and Philip Seymour Hoffman in his, his worst role. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's hip, cool, you know, science is, it's, it's, it's rad. Oh. It's a Twister, baby. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, uh, like hackers. Oh. Computers be cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was just a thing. I really do. And yeah. I, I got swept up in it. Like I said, I bloody love twister i just wanted to chase tornadoes and god help me if there was a tornado in stoke there isn't but it looks like there was one (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All the northern towns are getting a beating tonight from Kelly. They are. Yeah, it's because I'm down south. We meet our, our guy. We meet our Mike Rock. Rock. Mike. Mike Rock. Yeah. People will say his name. I want to be, I want to be like Mike. <laughs> you are going to hear the words Mike Rock or Mike Rock. Every yeah. roughly 90 seconds throughout the remaining. Just in case you forgot that Tommy Lee Jones isn't a co-star. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we meet uh, him in a family setting. Yeah, it's a family setting. And it's pretty much a Tom Atkins from Halloween 3 season of Witch. So he can't make eggs. He can't pour cereal into a bowl without making a major spillage. Hmm. He is essentially a, I wouldn't say failing father, but he's a feels like an absent father. And well, yeah, struggling. Struggling, you know. Working too hard. Working too hard, yeah. We have the introduction of these two cops. <laughs> well, this whole subplot, it could have been written by Paul Haggis. It's yeah. that bad. I mean, it, I hated Crash when it came out. This is about as clumsy and as heavy-handed as Crash. Yeah. The setup, oh, I mean, God, how insulting. Oh, we cool now. It's the LAPD. Hey, officer! How about giving us a ride back to civilization, please? What's up? You gonna come out of what? It's our hood. Man, you wanna calm down and tell me what this is all about? You wanna get out of my face? Hey, if I'm in your face, you're gonna know it. All right, bro? Huh. Right. It is. Well, especially because uh, over the course of a 100-minute film... <laughs> This is given approximately three minutes of time. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to condense all of the uh, all of the social and political issues of the yeah. time. Rodney King, L.A. riots, the O.J. Simpson trial. All all three of these things get name checked. Yeah, they all get name checked, and we are dealing with uh, an America and and in particular L.A. as a city mm. that was deeply divided, especially between white and black. <sighs> I'll argue that. Your disaster movie with a volcano that's in LA. I'm not sure this is the property to start tackling those social ills. But again, no. we've mentioned it, haven't we? That Mick Jackson is a, he seems like a very conscientious director. Yeah. 1980s Paul Greengrass. He was the 1980s Paul Greengrass. We move on from this part of the story. We have plenty of setup. And then just like in all disaster films, we have to have the moment whereby there is a theory that something might be going wrong. So yeah. we have like a steam, what appears to be a steam leak. But it's, it's yellow. It's yellow. Yeah, indeed. We have workers that come out and Tommy Lee Jones, even though throughout the whole film, he's one, supposed to be on vacation, and two, supposed to work behind a desk, goes straight out to the incident, which is in MacArthur Park. We, ha we see that clearly something is amiss. They, yeah. they write it off as a steam leak. Yeah, and is the D there's even an argument between us as the, uh, the 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 DWP, which is not the same as our DWP, is the Department of Water and Power, I assume. Yes, it's weird yes. that they would combine those two things, but they did. Yeah, they did. well, you'll get electrocuted if you do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and stands uh, John Carroll Lynch's Metro, the Metro Rail. All right, this is where your problem is. Was this is your red line tunnel? Okay. What I want to do is shut down this section oh, just God. as a precaution until we know. Why should we look bad just because DWP blew some pipe? Nothing up. blew down there, Olber. They hit a steam pocket. Steam? Yeah. The tunnel walls are five feet of concrete. Where's the threat to my train? Maybe yeah. the earthquake tore something out. Oh, Let's find oh, out God. before we shit. You're not happy unless you're declaring an emergency, are you? No, actually, I enjoy motorsports, music, and the company of close friends, sir. There's a little exchange with uh, the, the brilliant Don Cheadle. 
Oh, Don Cheadle. And this was a good year for Don Cheadle. You know, we talked about it in our throwback series. Uh, same year as Boogie Nights. And again, when you've got stock characters, I mean, I don't want to even say he's a stock character. He is just Mike's understudy. Yeah. Lackey, whatever you want to call it. But you know what? Don Cheadle tries his best. You know, he's got lollipops. He's got he's, he's got a bit of spunk. Yeah, later on, he's got a Kangol hat. Yeah, he's got a Kangol hat. He must have stole that from Samuel L. Jackson. Make a terrible admission. <laughs> Go. I also owned a Kangol hat in 1997. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I had a, a lot of... Um, Are you going for the pill jam look, weird? I had a lot of identity crises in the 90s before I settled on my current angry teenage goth look you see you went angry goth i uh, i was a skateboarder so i've got both my ears pierced which is i've st- you know i can't get rid of those holes but yeah i was very much a blink 182 you know devotee dyed mm. my hair bleach blonde i mean with these eyebrows i mean I basically if anyone who hasn't seen my face i've got eugene levy eyebrows <laughs> so the fact that i have bleach blonde hair i look like a dick so. <laughs> so you were gonna go with something a little more subtle than dick but Interesting to note that this is the exact 10-minute mark of the film. Yes, we are 10 a, minutes in. A guy gets uh, uh, annihilated by steam. He he gets uh, terribly, terribly burnt down one side of his face. Uh, first time I'm going to mention a direct comparison. The young couple who go skinny dipping in the in the, the hot springs. Yes. In Dante's Peak. Mm-hmm. For some nucky. Yes. Exactly 10 minutes. See, that's pretty efficient screenwriting. Yeah. I mean, they don't do anything else with Dante's Peak for another 45 <laughs> minutes. But 10-minute mark, you know what? It's not quite your inciting incident because your main characters aren't aware of it just yet. But it is telegraphing, foreboding, yeah, good disaster movie stuff. Yeah, you need to know the, the threat is there. Absolutely. Immediately. Absolutely. Again, almost immediately, Mike takes himself down into the uh, the sewers. Ah, he does. And he takes... An important character that like <laughs> that you just forgot. Is no. his name like Ox or Donkey or... No, it's Gator. It's Gator. It's Gator. <laughs> One of the things that they set up when they go down is... And this is, this is just normal when you're dealing with lava. That it's probably going to be quite hot. So they go down and then we don't see any lava, but we just see steam and they see some dead rats. So they're establishing, listen, you can't get anywhere near this stuff because you will die. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is melting, and he calls it out. I think he says, I'm cooking, so am I. <laughs> yeah, the, the rats are cooked. So, I'm cooking too. too. <laughs> but we don't do anything with that, because later on, we establish that you can sit by lava, oh, like yeah. a lava lamp, and you won't melt. Yeah. It'll just sort of glow and illuminate the room. You could be a very small dog, <laughs> and you can bark at lava from approximately two feet away, and you will be okay. Yeah, well, Jack Russell's smartest dog in the world. Yeah, and we very quickly hear Tommy Lee Jones shout for a scientist. Shadow gas coming up out of the bottom of that tube. I don't know what it is. Sparks, hot as hell. You ain't lying, Evan. And find me a scientist, geologist. Somebody tell me what the hell is going on. Got it. She, she, is, she is doing her best. I don't think she genuinely had anything written down. I think they just went, right, in this scene, we need you to... Get to from you see your mark here. I want you to go from that mark to the mark just over there. And can you come up with something dramatic in between? Or uh, can you be perky? Yeah, can you be perky, spunky, a little bit sort of sassy? Yeah, and if you can, can you do weird things with your mouth? (laughs) Yeah, react inappropriately to everything. everything. Just smile. I don't know, be cutesy, fun, quirky. It's all Mm. good. 
And she turns up at uh, uh, OEM. Yes, she with, does. Uh, with Stan. She and, does. Uh, having an argument. Stan doesn't want to close down uh, his trains. He's like, give me yep. something that's got some demonstrable risk. Give me evidence and then I will listen. In between, we get the... Now, in normally, not just in these films, but when you're dealing with man and woman on screen, you tend to get this moment where it's love at first sight. And Tommy Lee Jones, or with his immediate conflict, well, which they overcome, which they overcome. Yeah. But there's, but there's still a moment of like, you know, Christopher, Lady in Red, Ormond. <laughs> but we don't get that. Instead, we get Tommy Lee Jones sort of like pulling a weird ball bag face. That's <laughs> <laughs> the second time his face has been compared to. Uh, Paul Beg. Yeah, well, I'm, Is it I'm the last. Oh no, uh, know. not really. No, but he's got like a weird unibrow. He looks like the baby in The Simpsons, the evil <laughs> yeah. baby that Maggie doesn't like. That's true. Yeah. So she comes waltzing uh-huh. in. Yeah. I mean, boys. Hi. I'm from CIGS. Nice to meet you. Careful, Mike. Disagree with anything Doctor Barnes says. She'll have you in city council meetings for twelve months. Would you please give it a rest? All we said was Coanga was geologically unstable. The whole city's geologically unstable. Yeah, hey, well, thank no, you for that's coming. Why we don't want you blowing up tunnels under it. Thank you for coming on short notice, but could you save the fight for later? Yeah, sure. Two o'clock, good for you? Huh? Oh, huh? go ahead, encourage him. It's such, a sick, it's such a sick burn. <laughs> oh, and Tommy Lee Jones, you know he fell in love just right there and then. Yeah. Uh, and they, and they, take that, they take that to the park. <laughs> and they continue their, their verbal joust. And. The glasses, the glasses go. Yeah, and Ra- Rachel. And, and Rachel. Hesh's friend. Uh, and they're, they're chatting some absolute bullshit. Like, she is trying, she is cycling through, how can I say this nonsense <laughs> to this guy? And what am I supposed to be generating from these scenes? Am I supposed to be generating uh, uh, conflict? Uh, conflict leading to attraction? I don't know. It's difficult. She's talking about tectonic plates. Yes. And apparently sometimes they just open. I'm seriously questioning the the scientific (laughs) evidence that suggests that sometimes there's just a hole and lava just like will pop through. I'm I'm sure you're aware of this, that our continents sit on tectonic plates. Great big rafts floating over an ocean of molten rock. Yeah. When they shift like they did this morning, we get an earthquake. Okay? Same mechanism can sometimes open a fissure. Sometimes magma can find one of those fissures and rise up through it. It's a bit like a spot. Yeah. Yeah, when you just push those sides and eventually you'll just get like that gooey horribleness on your mirror. It's the same thing. And as soon as they depart this scene, uh, Rachel is, he likes you. Oh, and. God. And Hesh is, is doing a... She's, uh, she's pulling the smiles again. Yeah, and she's throwing like, oh, he told me it's man's work. And, and then you like him too. What the fuck? What'd he say? Oh, it's too dangerous. It's man's work for you, just little girlies. I can't let you down there. He likes you, I can tell. It's okay. You're macho controlling, slightly superior suspicious of anyone who's not from his hometown kind of way. So you like him. This is good. I had a question about this because this relationship i mean it stays platonic you know spoilers but uh uh, i in the original script 100 percent, they hooked up yeah and and tommy lee jones wasn't one of the wasn't the first uh, actor to be considered for the role of mike mick legend rourke 
they were going to, well, they offered it to Bill Pullman and Ed Harris. Pullman, I get. Yeah. Pullman, I can see in it. You can see the speech that he does later on, Bill yeah. Pullman dropping that, you know, after this, it's people's homes. Yeah. Also, you know, it's... And it's, we could lie quietly in the night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, Pullman's like a like a handsome dude. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely looking man. Um, Ed Harris is a bit more severe. Yes. Less hair than Tommy Lee. Yes. But less wrinkle. It's true. <laughs> but he's... I, I don't see him being involved in some sort of disaster-fueled um, like uh, flirtatious banner. Okay, uh, I was going to say, oh, when you can, say disaster, disaster yeah. dude, he was in, uh, and we will get into it because I'm going to pick it for a throwback series. He was in the miniseries of The Stand. So oh, he, God, yeah. He will do a disaster flick. He really will. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he is, he's not going to be, he's going to be no fun in Volcano. No. <laughs> <laughs> And we quickly uh, rattle through from uh, the Rachel and Amy. They decide they're going to go down and investigate the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest that these are probably as bad of the scientists as that in Prometheus when it comes <laughs> down to just stupidity. So one one of them, Rachel says, oh, I think it's sulfur, tries to smell it through latex fucking glass <laughs> in a suit. And then Anne Hesh has to remind Rachel when she's like, might be volcanic. Well, the only way we'll know is if you take some samples. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it, as a scientist? You need the science samples and the science pots. And then if it gets worse than that, you know when you see like a big crack in the ground? I normally stand either side of the crack, and that way if it opens up, I'm in prime position that I can jump either side. Do you? Uh, no, I, str- I straddle. I straddle because I, whatever is underneath there, which I'm fairly certain is something terrible. I want it to engulf you. Yeah, I want, I want it to bisect me, if possible. Which oh. is unfortunately what happens to our poor Rachel. She does. She does. And this is the first time when the filmmakers, I think, are suggesting that this volcano could be sentient. Yeah. It appears to have a mind where it wants to kill. Yes. Uh, well, and, and also. Again, Mick Jackson and his legendary research. I think on this film, it extended to, I've watched Backdraft. I've watched Backdraft. I've heard that fire makes noises like angry animals and will try and kill you on purpose. It's it's wonderful. It is. Yeah, it's It's... it's wonderfully stupid. (laughs) And I bloody love it. (laughs) Good morning, it's just after 5.10. Didn't take long to get our first sig alert this morning. We've got a jackknife produce truck on the westbound side of the tent, spreading tomatoes all over the roadway. One lane open is hell Passenger time, and then the next day, uh, everyone is woken up at 4 a.m. Yes. This is the day of the movie. The day of the movie, indeed. And uh, we are like, what, 20 minutes in? Oh, at best. At yeah. best. We are rattling through. <laughs> and the reason we are managing to rattle through is that, once again, the transition is marked by and radio or TV news broadcast. Yeah, and it's a it's a technique that Mick Jackson has used before in his docudramas mm-hmm. and in Threads. When Threads, um, yeah. what they do is to keep the story moving, they basically just uh, tell you what is happening <laughs> with on-screen that. text because uh, they they need to show that, okay, a, a bomb went off at this position. Uh, at this time, it was this magnitude of explosion because, you know, he was... Sh- trying to show as as realistic as possible what would happen uh that is not again 
not the excuse you can use there. Well, like all of you, it. we here at the Channel they 10 Newsroom felt that big joke script. this morning. It was a powerful earthquake. We're having trouble getting through to the police, fire, and other emergency officials. Put your seatbelt on, honey, remember? Off the streets. Once again, a moderate to larger. That's okay, there you go. I want to go home. Go into the safest room in town, baby, I promise. Rourke is presented early in, in the early scenes as kind of being that rebellious teenager, you know, once gets a nose pierced, she's yeah. watching MTV. She doesn't, she doesn't want to babysit her because yeah. she feels like she's old enough to be left on her own. Fine, whatsoever. This is the moment in the film where they just went, you know what? They drop, they name, well, they drop the line that she's 13 years old. She seems incapable of managing a pot noodle. It's, it's pretty crazy. Her character seems to regress to about eight or nine years old. Yes. Immediately. Immediately. And she starts clutching a teddy bear. Yes. She is... Saying daddy. And yeah. it's all... And is incapable. Of... Like you said, she is incapable of now handling anything. So they uh, they establish earlier on in the film, Tommy Lee Jones is sort of being badgered by the ex-wife. Yes. The old ball and chain. <laughs> and uh, it feels straight out of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Yeah. And I wish that they just inserted last action hero joke now, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's a whole bunch of these, but yeah, all um, ex-wives as written by male screenwriters are uh, horrible, spirit-crushing hell beasts. Indeed. And whenever, whenever you actually Why look at they just leave me alone? <laughs> whenever you look at their motivations, it, it's always that they're, they're like painted to be like villains, like horrible, funless, joyless villains, but they're always right. Like you think their um, argument is sound. Like Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Wife Sally like, Field. Sally Field gets Sally shit. Field gets shot on. Yeah. I don't want that weirdo who cross dresses to be hanging out with my kids. He is absolutely right. <laughs> you know what? I would have gone with Pierce Brosnan as well. He's a handsome man. He's a bloody good looking man. Alec <laughs> for Queen and country. Alec. A terrible Pierce Brosnan accent. I apologize. Oh, no, so, that's good. so where Maybe are we? Maybe you shouldn't be living here. <laughs> And one of the things that we missed out actually in the establishment shots is uh, so Rich Nobed from the Metro Rail has built this huge building. Mm. I call it Chekhov's building. <laughs> so he has spent like a hundred million dollars. He refers to like three banks and she's his prize asset. And he's like, I don't want you working downtown, working on gunshots. Oh, I want yeah. you working on. Tennis elbows and Sears. I don't want you down there with the Poe people and their real problems. So we, after the volcano, we start driving down Wilshire Boulevard. This is where the kettle stop flying off, right? <laughs> this is true. And um, apparently, again, as you say, I've never been to LA. You have. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm aware, uh, LA is the Tarpits and Wilshire Boulevard. Yes, pretty much, yes. I mean, if you're going to pick your key locations, that's probably about it. You know, forget Rodeo Drive. You know, forget about Axel, Axel Foley <laughs> driving around with the heaters on. No, <laughs> you need to get yourself to Wilshire Boulevard. Um, you know what? It's a conceit. They want to stick in one location. I actually think, you know, without we've, we've kind of had a bit of fun with the film. Uh, it's the only way you can have it, really, I'd have thought. But... Give credit to the filmmakers. They created a sort of 80% scale model of Wilshire mm. Boulevard so they could do all these practical effects as well as the computer-generated images that they then used for the lava. 
one of the things when it all starts kicking off with the steam bottling up and the sound effects of cattle, all that kind of stuff. All of the manhole covers blow into the air, propelled by by steam vents. It's the sound design is great. The sound design the, is great. The the sense of like chaos that it creates is is really infectious. This is what we are uh, a shade under thirty minutes into the film. Yeah. yeah. Into a film which is a uh, hundred minutes with credits, with credits, and hey, big credits. We are, we are in mm-hmm. from this point on. That is it. We are now in a disaster movie, and the disaster has happened and will happen. And even though the... our central protagonist, a little bit thinly drawn, it is Tommy Lee Jones, and we're following Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. So he is in the center, in the heart of the action. And to be honest with you, normally with disaster films, that's exactly where you want your. Well, certainly you want your central character, but obviously it tends to be that there's a whole host yeah. that are within it. This film goes for a slightly different tact. You know, so the doctor is kind of in it, mm. but is doing is all the medical stuff. Yeah, she has, very... I think she has the, unfortunately for her, I, I, I don't know the actress's name. I barely know the character's name. And I, that's doctor? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, it's, it's not a film that gives her the time to develop it. And also, I mean, because you have uh, your your male supporting characters, they're all really well. They're not well developed whatsoever. They get more screen time. I mean, you do, get, if you were to just yeah. do it by minute by minute, yeah. they get more screen time. But also, they're given more conflict to yes. overcome. Yeah. So her her thing is she heals people. She does that at the start. Yeah. She does that at the end. I mean, let's. Uh, I mean, let's just encapsulate her entire art. Yeah, let's do it. Because uh, we see that in the first scene, uh, the the early, the first earthquake. There are several earthquakes in the film. The very, very, very first earthquake, the one that introduces the the cast of characters. She is in the hospital, and one of the nurses notices that she is wearing a Rolex. So yep. we know she's rich. Then later, we see her in the penthouse of the apartment building that her dickhead boyfriend is or husband Chekhov's building. Is building. Uh, then she she rescues Kelly Rock, takes her to the hospital. Then she entrusts Kelly Rock with looking after a child. Yes, two in fact. Yep, I've got things on this. <laughs> oh, and uh, then uh, her dickhead husband calls her to say, "God knows what those people might be coughing up on you or breathing on you." Well, so clearly, he's a selfish jerk. We knew this from the start. Yes, indeed. Uh, and at that point, I was—I sometimes I write like just little shorthand notes when we watch these films, and I was like, "Oh well, that's her arc unsatisfyingly <laughs> concluded." But I was wrong. He then turns up in the triage unit that they build outside of Cedar Sinai Hospital. He turns up to just say the same thing again. Yeah, th- this is where, like I said, you've kind of confirmed my suspicions on this one that this was a spec script at best yeah. first draft. And you know what? Listen, we're going to have so many special effects. Who cares yeah. what about happens to these characters? Because the star of the show is going to be molten lava. Yeah. And I mean, fair play to Jerome. He may never have had another screenplay produced, but he made a half a mil off this. I'll take that. Yeah, I'd take that for this. Well, we wouldn't be fucking recording this in Croydon. I'll yeah. tell you that. So once once hell starts breaking loose, you know, Don Cheadle's taking the reins in HQ. They never really developed the HQ OEM center like they really should. 
comparing it, you know, not to Dante's Peak, but comparing it to something like Apollo 13, which is where I think the Ed Harris link comes from, because mm. that Ed Harris character in Apollo 13, very driven, pragmatic, and, you know, his sole focus is getting those astronauts back. Yeah. They, Ron Howard in that film manages to create real drama, tension, suspense, intrigue, all within a building with some computers and some flashing lights. In this film, Mick Jackson just isn't able to Ooh, do that. Lava. Lava? Let's talk lava. Okay. Uh, the, the dramatic lava. The, the lava in this movie, which finally turns up and starts spilling down Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> you, will hear that, you will hear that phrase. Just in case you're oh, not aware it's of just, where it is. It's just off Wilshire. <laughs> uh, uh, the lava, you know what it's made of? Well, molten rock. It was, uh, I think, the stuff is called methyl cellulose. Oh, very good. And that is the thickening agent which makes McDonald's milkshakes. Wow. Uh, I believe it was also used in. Do you ever see the Blob? Yeah, I've seen the Blob. The good one, the new one. Oh no, no I've seen nineteen eighty-eight. I was going to say I've seen the eighties Blob. Yeah, I was, that was, okay. Yeah. yeah, not the fifties Steve McQueen. No, 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 um, I haven't seen that one. The, I don't know why, but just um, there's something about a slow-moving. But uh, a slow-moving foe, which is like a big gelatinous object, <laughs> which is coming to get you that you can't outrun, despite the fact that it is moving uh, uh, at less than a walking pace. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it's kind of like a Michael Myers, I guess. Yeah. He's slow-moving. You never see him run. Yeah, you never That's see not kind of the point. Yeah, He's... you don't see lava run. No, you never see lava run. I thought it was made of negative emotions <laughs> i had it down as like vigo the carpathian <laughs> from ghostbusters 2 it kind of just it, this lava this is this this is one of the central issues with this film is that the title in bold a noun mm. is called volcano yeah there is no volcano no there is, is only Lava. You've got to chalk this one up. For, if we're doing the two, you've got to chalk this one up to Dante's Peak's got a fucking volcano. Yes, it has. It's a big It's a genuine, off. yeah, it's a genuine volcano. It's a mountain that does loads of lava. Mm. And, uh, it, and it does the plot of Jaws. It, it is the... We, well, in fact, you, we can't close the town because it's the big special town event that is going to be important to the town financially. Indeed. And indeed. then we don't evacuate until it's too late. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, yeah, if you were to look at the uh, the narrative structure of jaws they are following it pretty much beat to beat in fact i would say minute to minute yeah uh it is jaws yeah absolutely so you are right but but it does win on the which one has the best volcano but yeah the lava i'm gonna disagree with you completely the slow moving immovable force is not dramatic in any way oh i'm not gonna argue it's dramatic i think it's i just think that it's well made well, the special effects. As a special effect. Yeah, I think for 1997, um, I, like I think lava. it's I think it's easy to poke fun at it and be like, <laughs> I think I think it looks good, but I think it looks okay too. In fact, the the bits that look a bit ropey are the you know the helicopters that come in later on, yes, and some of the the some building stuff that isn't quite mm. done in miniature, which is done with CGI. Oh, Kelly Kelly Rourke has been left in the car while Tommy Lee Jones is off saving people, which is what he does. You know, he gets plenty of hero moments in this film. He... Well, saving people, okay, it's probably a little bit of a stretch. He's trying to assist. So he, he meets with the doctor. You know, we get that opportunity where all these characters get to converge. And 
as he's doing that, he kind of says, stay in the car. It's a bit like Jurassic Park, where it's like, you know, he left us. But that's not what Tommy Lee Jones is going to do. As he does that, slow-moving lava comes towards. She sees it. She gets out of the car. The car kind of explodes. For some reason, we're in a horror film where she's just sort of slowly walking back. And then yeah. as she does that, we are introduced to the lava bomb. Yes. Uh, is we it a have, thing? We have had these. Apparently, uh, according to what little research I have managed to do, I'm, I don't care. I mean, volcanoes are ace, but I'm not going to read it. Volcanoes. Uh, apparently, uh, lava bombs are a real thing. A lava tube is not. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Um, lava tubes are not. But a lava bomb is a real thing. It does not look or act like that on any level. Mm-hmm. But um, they... but it, but it get, lands near Kelly Raw as she's slowly walking backwards from mm. the lava, and then it just slowly walking backwards is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, and then it again being a bit of a sentient <laughs> bomb. Decides to just spit at her. It does. It's like a Dilophosaurus. It spits, uh, it spits lava onto her leg. My leg is burning. My leg is, My leg is burning. It hurts. It hurts. Well, we have a, a, a guy, a news guy, pulling up in a beige Volvo yeah. uh, on, his, on his flip phone. And he's just barking. Like stage direction no yeah yeah i mean the, the man is going to the truck and the truck is on fire and the man is going into the truck and he's pulling the guy out of the truck but he didn't get him out of yeah, the truck. It's... oh my god he's burning oh he's burning time every time we're um we need to know where we are even like where we're located <laughs> geographically um you find out from a voiceover of a newsreader saying we're here on wilshire okay, yeah now yeah. we're here on la cienega it's every time we need to change location every time and then of course that they even say it is officially a volcano yeah they do everything comes through the the news media which is which is a little a little underwhelming. We haven't really described how uh, Anne Hesh ended up in this situation. She was in the the park. She crawled out of the the hole in the ground. Oh yeah. yeah she was yeah. very 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 sad because her best friend in the world. We assume. I don't know. It's, yeah. She she seems to only know two people. Yeah. Although everyone knows. Her. Everyone knows her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she crawls out of the ground. She is devastated. Uh, there is looting going on, which is direct reference to the LA riots. Yeah. And while this, we talk about this sometimes with these things, tonal control. Mm. And what we have is a scene which is very confused. She is uh, devastated at the loss of her friend. Yeah. She walks out of the, the, the hole and she takes her oxygen tank off and she dumps it on the, on the top of her Jeep. Yoink! <laughs> it gets immediately <laughs> looted and it is gone. And it's funny. Like, the timing of it is fucking oh, hilarious. Oh, it's beautiful. It is a great setup and I don't, I don't know how funny this is supposed to be, but it is funny. Yeah, yeah. And and she's she's mourning the loss of her best friend who just yeah. fell down the crack. Yep, and she got she got sucked down by evil dead flames. Yeah, uh, and then she has to immediately look up and be fascinated by ash falling. Yeah, uh, so she turns up. She's I, how she knows where uh, he is. he needed her and everything and yeah. everything in this LA 
is like a five minute drive. Luckily, it's very convenient. Yeah. You need 82 uh, concrete rails? <laughs> five minutes. You need some helos? <laughs> five minutes. Yeah. You need to set up some bombs on a building? 19 Ten minutes. minutes. Oh, 19 <laughs> minutes. Very, very good. She's the scientist. Yeah. She is the one that is providing him with the expertise to go forward. But he is a man of action. He's the guy who knows what to do. He kn- he He's going to search every outhouse, doghouse, and henhouse. <laughs> I know there's some lava here. We're going to find it. All right, look. Wilshire Boulevard, Fairfax. 80K rails, double stack, in a horseshoe, okay? A cul-de-sac. That's got to be a wall at least six feet high. All right, do you have any helicopters, water tankers? Uh, not yet, but they're on the way. All right, great. Once you get this lava to pull, okay? Dump everything you've got on it all at once. Try to form a crust. Maybe it'll dam itself. It's what they did in Iceland. Thank you. We're going to build a cul-de-sac. Yes. And, it, and if you didn't understand what a cul-de-sac was, he will draw it for you. And if you look closely, kind of looks like a penis. It does look like he's drawing a dick. <laughs> and all he needs to do is just draw the little line on yeah. the tip. And then you've got just your, finish it off. You've just got yourself a crown. You've got a bus stop cock. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're going to build a cul-de-sac. They're going to put these uh, motorway yeah. barriers in front. And we once again are thrust into this idea of division and race relations between mm. the cops and the young black people. So the young black guy who was earlier earlier introduced, he comes back because his homes are on fire. You know, we've yeah. seen a Jack Russell he escape lives, uh, fire. He lives just off Russia. Hey, this is museum. You want to get this guy off me? Hey. Oh, great. Mark, firm. Use your hands. Yo, you got Give it. Give me yo. your hands. Yo, yo, get your goddamn hands off me. Yo, what's going on? They're asking a firefighter. Bullshit, I'm asking that guy for help. Jared, stupid, let him go. I'm taking him in. All right, he's all yours. Should he even say the lies? Don't move. He throws a really specific reference at him from the uh, the O.J. Simpson trial. He calls him um, Mark Furman. Was... Mark Furman was the, uh, the, the, the lead cop in the O.J. Simpson case, the one who found the glove. Mm-hmm. And it later transpired that this guy had been giving... Um, a, a long, long series of taped interviews to a writer uh, who wanted to write a book about um, the LAPD, uh, specifically how difficult it was to be a female officer in the LAPD. This guy <laughs> boasted proudly of being an outright misogynist dickhead who was uh, horrendously, horrendously uh, uh, opposed to this and would undermine female police officers all the time. He was also a, a racist. He was on on tape as being a massive racist. So um, this is one of these many things where you were saying that, you know, you're in the tumultuous times of mid-90s LA, which has a lot of simmering racial tensions. The guy also says at one point, this is going to be the volcano version of Rodney King. Listen, this is something they used a lot in the Die Hard with a Vengeance film with Samuel L. Jackson's character, who's clearly sort of playing a Malcolm X type, and also a little bit, a little bit like uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character in Boys in the Hood, a black guy who wants the best for the neighborhood, who is essentially kind of like a pacifist, doesn't want, doesn't like violence, but hates white people. And that's played in Dire with a Vengeance. And here, this is so heavy handed. I mean, the, the thing is, if you're going to do this in your volcano film, then please give it the 
the time and respect that it needs. Mm. Don't just shove it in in a couple of scenes with some it. really clunky bits of dialogue. I, I would say, let's just not. <laughs> well, yeah, please don't. Like, so uh, he gets arrested. He gets Racist it. Cops arrest, uh, arrests him because he's saying that he's hassling a, a, a fired marshal because he wants... He wants them he to wants help out the hood. Him. And uh, so he arrests him. His partner's like, don't be a dick. And he's like, I'm going to be a dick. And so he arrests him. And then he just lets him go. And while they're moving the concrete barriers into place, uh, his, his partner lets him go. And the guy turns around. And what does he say? It's probably the most insulting line of dialogue in the film. Yeah. Uh, he just says, if I help you with this, you're going to save the neighborhood? The hood. The hood. And Not the, the neighborhood. Uh, I didn't want to say that. Fuck, you know. And hey, the, the, and the, the film said it. I know. Right. And the, the policeman says, yeah, that's the idea. And that's him going, I'll help then. If you were to look at it with rose-tinted glasses, you would suggest that this is trying to say that we can all put aside our own individual thoughts, feelings, prejudices for the collective good. However, this is about as disingenuous as it gets. Mm. And I didn't remember this being so ham-fisted. I'm pretty sure I did. But I did not, because all I remembered was... uh, scrotum face walking around <laughs> going listen you gotta do this and you gotta do that and you gotta do this i forgot that this was so egregiously yeah poorly placed and god i wish that they didn't put it in there it's it's awful and also he gets to uh the the guy when he manages to convince them to to bring fire trucks to his place uh after he's lifted up a concrete barrier and proven himself he gets to sit on a fire truck like a nine-year-old with a hat on and he gets a massive uh, salute. It's baffling. It uh, is baffling. Simultaneous to this, we've got uh, Amy saying, dump water on it. It's what they did in Iceland. <laughs> no further explanation no needed. Further, that's what they did. And one of the other things that happens is, so Stan. Yeah. So we have our other subplots. So Stan, who has he's kind of been removed from the film slightly, essentially Lloyd Bridges in airport. There's yeah. a bit, so he realizes short one of sleeve it, shirt with a with yeah, a tie. Yeah, one of his trains. Oh, he's got a bum bag as well. He's got a bum bag. Yeah, one of his trains has been uh, has broken down. Yep, and they've the train not. They Mar- Mario is driving. Indeed, and they haven't heard from it. Uh, he then, because throughout the whole film, he's trying to quit smoking. He's wearing nicorette patches. Chewing the gum. Chewing the gum. That's his thing. Everyone's got a thing in this Yeah, and I I wondered when we were watching it, I said, did Mick Jackson watch Airplane or did he watch Airport? I think he just watched Airport because Lloyd Bridges makes this very same joke and I don't think they're knowing enough to to play on it. So (laughs) Stan has got a cigarette behind his ear and then as soon as he realizes the the disaster that's happened to one of his trains, he puts that cigarette in his mouth and he may as well say, I picked a bad day to quit smoking. <laughs> I, picked, I picked the wrong day to quit amphetamines. <laughs> I picked the wrong day to quit sniffing glue. That's the best one. That's the best one. That's when he jumps out the window, isn't it? <laughs> <I think so. laughs> um, so he's he goes down to the, the metro to this train and he brings his boys and yep. he sees that it's like serious shit. Yeah. They get on there and they start dragging the people out and they look underneath the train and they see that lava is there. Oh, they think it's a fire, but then yeah. they realize that it's lava and that's when it's like, right, we need to get people off. Yeah. So Stan goes off to get the driver. This is his hero moment. 
And this is where we get to do a bit of a compare yeah. and contrast. And also, chances are, if you've not seen this film in a while, yeah, this is the scene you were thinking about. <laughs> so Stan's picked up the driver. The lava is underneath. He's it got is, him in literal fireman's carry. He mode. has got him in the fireman's carry. It is melting. It's yes. like it's like uh, it's like syrup. Yeah. Melting. Oh, the the roof of the fucking carriage is dripping. Yes. Like looping down around him. His shoes are melting to the floor. He himself is a bit sweaty. He is not shitting off his own skin <laughs> yeah, no, in, in rotten, smouldering lumps. No He's one just does. A bit sweaty. No one does <laughs> when they're face to face with the twelve hundred degrees <laughs> Celsius lava. They're just a little bit hot. <laughs> He's still fine. He's still got. He still can breathe easily enough that he can recite the Lord's Prayer. He does. That's weird. And, well, this is, is it again. The Lord's we Prayer? yeah, we talk about tone again. So mm-hmm. he is. This is like this is quite harrowing. Yeah, and this is a character that we don't really know all that much about, but he seems like a he seems like a well-to-do bloke, you know, a bit of yeah. a nerd. But he seems like he wants to help. He's like the leader of this group of metro rail people. Yeah. We never really get much of a. I think they miss an opportunity where they could have had him be the one who dismisses the theory of the yeah. volcano, and that is the reason that why he's motivated to go and like save all these who's people. Who's the guy in Dante's Peak? Um, the it, guy who leads the geology survey, he's, who he's comes like, in and says, I'm not shutting this town yeah, down. Yeah, he's the main doctor. He's like Pierce Brosnan's boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always need it. In every disaster film, you need he, that one he character. A, he gets swept away yeah. by the, the river. Yeah, but he saves people in the, yeah. in the meantime, getting his redemptive moment. Stan gets his redemptive moment, but I don't think he's ever really sinned. No, he was just a bit he's short just, with just, uh, Anne Hesh, who, yeah. to be fair, seemed pretty fucking chippy herself. Yes, indeed. So he is faced with a <laughs> an impossible it's, choice. It's genuinely horrible. It's, but it is funny, isn't it? It's yeah. an impossible choice where he can either chuck the guy, chuck the driver, and try and avoid the lava, or jump, probably not make it, and then chuck the guy. a fucking second and he tells all the other guys to get out of there and then yeah and then he goes for it he goes for it and then we are in terminator 2 territory <laughs> i told you it was going to come back he's shin deep already he's shin deep and i i just wanted him to say i know now why you don't why you cry <laughs> but it's something i cannot do and, and he, 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 chucks, loves he loves him he just makes it again yeah. doesn't matter if you're about half a meter away from the lava you won't you know combust also i wouldn't suggest um gorilla press slamming somebody into a <laughs> fucking rail head first if they are already unconscious yeah yeah i'm, I'm not sure that driver made it no i don't either but it feels like it was all for naught it, it, it does doesn't it but he he goes down and again we're fully expecting the thumbs up yep oh he melts he melts <laughs> Let's it on fire. He just melts. His face is still intact, but his chest is completely fucking melted at one point. <laughs> oh, these 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 are kind of things that you uh, again when you're younger, it's kind of visceral. Yeah, it's kind of like Jesus, but in a fun way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> should oh, it's be great. fun. It it's should great. be harrowing. So, you wanted to 
you wanted to nail this one. I didn't give you an answer earlier. We discussed this, that this is the perfect opportunity to do a direct comparison because there are two sacrificial meltings yes. in both films. There's one in Volcano, there's one in Dante's Peak, where, of course, uh, the grandma, who is the... She's uh, like she's the dick. She's the mother of uh, of uh, uh, Linda Hamilton's does, ex-husband. Does what she wants. Yeah. I'm staying in my house, even though it's in the fucking path of an active volcano. I'm staying in my house. Yeah, and, she's... And so a 12-year-old drives up to her house. Fucking, she causes all this bullshit. So uh, they're in a uh, a little tin boat, which is melting because the lake is made of acid. Yes. And she jumps out and she pulls them the last few feet to the duck. They were going to make it. <laughs> Possibly. And also, there's so much about this. So um, she just pops right in there and drags it to the duck. And then when she gets to the duck, Goes the, goes she the long keeps way. walking the long way out. She doesn't fucking hop straight up onto the uh, jetty. No, no, no. Why, why would you? So what do you think, man? What's the choice? Oh, uh, John Carroll Lynch. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's the better one, isn't it? I think it's great. Ah! Ah! <laughs> well, because, you know, she hangs around for another scene, and then she has a, you know... Yeah, she has mo- like a noble kind of... She has a moment kind of... with Linda Hamilton. You, you keep your crystal. You were right about me. I, you know what? I really wanted her to just, like, turn... Dude, while I... dying, to turn to Linda Hamilton and say, You were always a cunt. Is that too much? I don't know. I just, I wanted her to go out in a blaze of sour grapes so that all of that bullshit that they're going through, the fact that they now have to fucking drive straight into a mine shaft. Is because of her. Is because of her. And she's completely unrepentant. I think that's a better film for me. Oh, that's it. So they've created the cul-de-sac. They've um, they've managed to dig a trench in like 10 minutes mm-hmm. due to the help of the hood and everyone else coming together. You know, Tommy Lee Jones gives like a roaring speech where it's like, listen, beyond Wilshire, no more museums, no more shops, just homes. Yeah. People. Yeah. And uh, that's when he draws his little dick picture. Yeah. Now the uh, the helicopter phalanx comes in with the yep. score that Alan Silvestri has cribbed from his own score for yeah, Predator. Um, indeed, yeah. And and one of the things that uh, I said when we were watching it was, what if it didn't work? So mm. the way that they've set it up is they've got all the firefighters in front of the uh, or behind the boulders and the you, news media and the news media. They're all there with their hoses. It's very Braveheart. It's very like <laughs> hold, hold. You know, or if you, you know, have not seen Braveheart, it's very Helm's Deep, you know, Lord of the Rings style, yeah. you know, before they're going to fire all the arrows. What if it didn't work? They're all dead. <laughs> it's, it's, they are going off Tommy Lee Jones's bullshit plan. That, no, 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 it worked in Iceland. It worked in Iceland. <laughs> and she does say, you know, if you just aim for the, aim for the bridges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
but they drop a load of water on on it and for all intents and purposes that's the lava complete right but and your little boss that's your little boss yeah so and hesh had a theory before she went away and told tommy lee jones i've got to check something out she's like i don't think this is the end of it Yesterday you said it goes straight up. I've never tracked lava under a city before, okay? I, I just don't know what it's going to do with man-made tunnels to travel through. It doesn't matter. I mean, everything I've got to deal with what's in front of I mean, I don't have time to take a flyer on a geological theory. All right, but somebody's got to. I can only find what I can see. I know. Good luck. I'm going to check it out. All right. Worst age gap on-screen couple. <laughs> Is Anne Hesh and Tommy Lee Jones the worst? I don't know about age gap. I think in terms of um, arbitrarily casting two actors with absolutely no thought as to whether they would even look vaguely comfortable together on screen, I think it might be up there with the with the worst I've ever seen. The thing is, I mean, the most ridiculous I can think of is Entrapment. Yeah, yeah. But Sean Connery's you know, a famously suave and handsome dude's fucking James Bond. Yeah, it's like 69 in a trap. Yeah, and Catherine Zeta-Jones was 30, but... That's mad shit. But also, you know... I think you could still he's, see he's, yeah, he's, her he's getting Bond. with him. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's suave. Uh, this is... This is inexplicable. It, it's pretty bad. I'm trying it? to think of, like... I'm trying to rack my brain for a less... Uh, well, uh, like Clint Eastwood... Who's and... a worse decision? Well, Clint, Who would be even worse than Tommy Lee Jones to be? Well, this is film? the problem. And again, I've been a little bit harsh, but actually... Bob it's Balaban. One, it's, one of the, it's one of the reasons why Tommy Lee Jones is such a fascinating actor is not only because he's an artistry of the craft, but he's got a very interesting face. Yeah. Now, I say interesting, but he is, and I think he would admit this, he's not a good-looking man, certainly not in his older age. Well, there's a reason why he, looked, he was Harvey Two-Face with basically a half a fanny for a face. And that's because he's got the crevices cut out. He's, uh, I mean, he looks like a scrotum. He looks like an old man's for, scrotum. For, for those keeping score, that's number three. <laughs> don't, please don't tell Tommy. <laughs> but no, he's not, a, he's not an atypical leading man in that respect. Whereas, yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas like Clint Eastwood and Rennie Russo in, in The Line of Fire, yes, there is a big an age gap. Yeah. But... Clint is still a good-looking older man, and Rene Russo, um, she doesn't. She plays older better as yeah, well. She doesn't strike you as a kind of. Uh, she's uh, sort of regal. Yeah, she's not got the sort of ingenue kind of. Yeah, Anne Hesh is kind of not girly in this, but she's young she's in this film. Yeah, uh, they they are horrendously mismatched. Yes, that massively. I'm gonna say that this is this is Billy Bonkers casting. Yeah, you know she's the rising star, so I understand that she's going to want to be in everything. It's Tommy it's, Lee Jones is getting getting his opportunity to no longer be a co-star, but actually be the star of mm. a film. We're in executive. This is executive thinking. This is putting the pieces together. Mm. This is not thinking what it's going to look like. This is. It looks bad. Yeah, it does look bad, and it ends up getting all platonic because I think even on set they went. I don't think we can have this. <laughs> oh. They flirt with it. Yeah. They tease it. But Oh, you like him, he likes you, this. I yeah, just I yeah, feel they, like they, that survived in the script because they hadn't 
they were going to hire they were going to hire Bill Pullman. <laughs> what, also, there's 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 no reason for these characters to keep coming back and being in the same space. No, and they have nothing in common. No, they he, disagree with what they think the thing is yeah. and how best to to combat it. Which would be fine for a romantic comedy if the leads had chemistry. Or it's ninety seven. Like... It's ninety seven. If Clooney wasn't off uh, being Batman, maybe he could have done this. Um, so we, uh, she determines that there's now going to be there's an underground uh, volcano. Yes, so, it's underground, so maybe. we don't need to show it. So it's fine. Yeah, it's a lava tube. It's a lava tube. Yeah, so <laughs> it's she, a real she, thing. Well, she mentioned there was lava bombs. Yeah, she mentions before that you can't, uh, you know, she can't track the flow because it's got man-made tunnels to to go by. So we've seen that it's gone through the the red line and the metro. It's managed to get to the hood, even though they seem to only be attacking it from one side, which is down Wilshire. Probably budgetary reasons, I would have thought. But yeah, it's going to all converge to the one place that Tommy Lee Jones has been sending everybody, yeah. including my daughter. Yeah, and the uh, two small children of which she is now in charge. Now, this is a point at which I would maybe say, I don't think that they're trying to uh, signal anything. I'm not trying to read ulterior motives into the script of the fucking volcano. Oof. Well, that's what we're here to do. Uh, but uh, there is a strange thing where her her character is so inconsistent throughout. She starts off as a rebellious teen. Then she becomes essentially an emotionally and developmentally stunted eight-year-old in mm-hmm. a 13-year-old uh, girl. She is given responsibility by the doctor. The responsibility is to look after two small children. Looking after those two small kids seems to give her that sense of responsibility and purpose. Are we saying that girls come of age because they are given children to look after? Oh, I think you're reading into it a little bit. I think it just gives us some agency in the story. Yeah, She's no. got nothing to do in this film. You could mm-hmm. excommunicate Kelly Rourke from the story. Kelly Rourke. And it will, <laughs> it will do nothing yeah. to the story. No, totally. I think the screenwriter, uh, whoever the other one that wasn't Billy Ray was, this guy who only wrote one script, I think he went through the big book of cliches, how to get a screenplay made, and he said, this character's got fuck all to do. And he just went... Oh, yeah, he did. He just went, okay, she looks after a kid. Hmm. No, you know. I think so, yeah. I, I, yeah. I actually don't think there's anything more sinister yeah. than that. One of the things that I do have a major problem with, with her character is in the costuming so at the beginning she's rebellious teen but we like wants I said, to get a nose ring yeah wants to get a nose ring but she's said to be 13 years old then in the middle bit when disaster strong she becomes this completely you know ridiculous childlike eight-year-old yeah. who's gone within herself and can't even like hold a bloody hand over a wound then later they sexualize her by opening up her top and displaying a bra. Creepy. It's creepy as fuck, Devlin. I mean, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what to say other than, I don't know, did Polanski direct this? <gasps> oh, my God. I know, we're going to get sued. Look at you slaying those sacred cows. I know. No, it's just strange. It's just really weird. It's such an odd choice to make because it's quite clearly... A black bra. So the idea is we have lava that's going to kill 2,000 people that are within the triage center that old Mick Rourke's been sending everybody. They, they find it by uh, lowering a camera. 
they yeah. lure a camera into the uh, underground tunnels. Yes, the mood mood lava is heading yeah. towards uh, Vigo the Carpathian. And of course, one, two, three. She is such a good geologist. Her speed times distance uh, algebra is way off. Like she has no <laughs> idea what she's saying. But she basically calculates through hokey pseudoscience that it's going to take 19 minutes for oh, all the lava at this point, to converge. Like half an hour, but yeah, by the time yeah. they get there, it's... but to converge into one spot of which it will then force its way to the top because mm -hmm. of volume i guess i mean they actually yeah, never just, really say just, just because say. of volcano and also it's in a lava she tunnel. saw that in iceland too. yeah it's in a lava tunnel so it's keeping it superheated well, it's, in, it's in the lava tube the, the lava tube is of course not melting even though it itself again molten rock it's molten rock yeah but it can't melt shitty concrete issue concrete. it can't melt la concrete yeah. which i'm gonna argue it could but anyway so it's heading towards this and then our Chekhov's building comes into play. Mm. So Tommy Lee Jones, and this is where disaster films can sometimes do this, but the better ones tend to, again, be a little bit more organic with its sort of contrivances. This is just, we need to end this shit. So yeah. they just say, oh, by the way, what's really close to where the hospital is? There's, a f there's like a funnel it's that a leads. Creek. It's a creek leads to the sea. Sweetly. Evacuate immediately. Now realize these are injured people, some severely injured, so something is going on. All right, here's what the lava's doing. It will flow down the red line subway tunnel. It will continue until it comes to a dead end right here under this intersection. This is a Holly Hill storm drain extension. It connects here to the Holly Hills Trench. And anything that flows into that trench is going to come through the storm drain on down the Kelowna Creek to the ocean. We've got 25 minutes here. No, we've got 20 minutes. All right, we've got 20, 20 minutes, minutes to extend the San Vicente Trench 200 yards up San Vicente Boulevard to this place right here. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Look at that thing. It's got to be 50,000 tons of steel and concrete. Would that work? We're going to knock a building down. Yes, I am. Will it work? I think it might. I think it might. Wait, wait, you want to bring that thing down flush against the wall? Absolutely. Well, that's a precision drop. That, that, that takes days to plan. So to speak, this Rich is, Jerk's building. Yeah, Rich Jerk's building. And I mentioned it before. This film is full of missed opportunities. So mm. Rich Jerk has already been and gone. We've talked about the arc. Yeah. Why isn't he in this end scene going... Not my building. Yeah. I've just spent $100 million on that, this. That should be the conclusion. That should be the stupid... bit where we're like, ha ha, fuck yeah. you, rich guy. And his stupid subplot with his wife, which is that instead of just coming down there and shouting at her and saying, these people are going to cough on you, he should be there. She should say something like, wait, did you come here to see me or this? Mm. And pointing at the building because, you know, saying that he, you know, he's prioritizing. All these films like to say that, you know, anyone prioritizing... Uh, financial gain or work or whatever over the real things in life like love which is so fucking disingenuous this film costs like 60 million dollars 90 million 90 million dollars any film that costs the gdp of a small country and is trying to preach to you that money is a bad thing yeah. is a duplicitous shit you well listen to it exactly and so missed opportunity but anyway so tommy lee jones employs the police and keith david to rig all these bombs in 90 minutes which i call bullshit on but it's fine whatever we're in a we're in a dumb goofy 
disaster movie. They just got uh, Dracula's stash. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, yeah, they got Dracula's stash from <laughs> Monster Squad, and they just rig all these uh, these pillars. Gator, who we talked about earlier, who gets very little to do, mm-hmm. is going to also self-sacrifice and actually has probably the most noble and heroic, heroic moment, but mm. who gives a fuck? It's Gator. I didn't even recognize he was in until you told me. So as uh, as they're rigging up the bombs, they want to blow up the street and blow the building up so they can divert the lava. As this is happening, we are cross-cutting with Kelly Rourke. Kelly Rourke? Kelly Rourke. She... Well, the the little boy has escaped the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. That's some product placement right there. And this kid has somehow managed to slip through the restaurant, the kitchen, the back of the kitchen. Apparently, the kitchen backs onto the car park. Yeah. That's... Of a giant, giant um, uh, shopping center. Yeah. And he's escaping. That shot of him walking out into the light is well, I said to you, didn't I? It reminded me of Poltergeist. Yeah. I mean, if they just put a big television there, that would have been it. It's super creepy. This kid seems to be drawn by something, like because he's a he's a weirdly self possessed little kid. He's very insightful. With the he's playing rock paper scissors and he declares himself lava, which is pretty deep. Like he's like nothing beats that. Yeah, it's like playing rock scissors, the immutable passage of time. Like this kid is, this kid is. He's smart. probably the smartest character yeah. in the film, and uh, so yeah. So Kelly Rourke is trying to, you know, it's her responsibility. And as the bombs are going off, steal this scene directly from Jurassic Park Oof. when Ellie Sadler is turning on the power. They are they are going through each individual bomb, blowing up, blowing up. Some really good miniature work. I know we've I been dogging it, yeah, on the yeah. film a little bit, but there's some really nice miniature Especially work here. Especially the wide shot of the um, the consecutive explosions down the middle. Yeah, yeah. The it's, 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 it's really, really and well done. And also Keith David gets to set him off. Yeah. Good for him. Good for Keith David. He must have had fun that day. <laughs> yeah. have to go. I repeat, are we clear? But I got all hell breaking loose up here. We gotta go now. I repeat, are we clear? We gotta go now. Now we're clear. I copy. So yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is, I don't know why, but he's just behind a... He's behind a, a, a bunker. A like bunker a World of... War II <laughs> fucking machine gun bunker, which somebody built him, apparently. <laughs> Mike Rock starts yelling that there's a kid. He gets on his radio and he says, stop the explosions, there's a kid. And uh, he realizes they're not going to stop. So he just starts pelting it down the street because he sees that his daughter also walks out. His daughter, Kelly. And one of the main things that sticks in my head every time is just... Tommy Lee Jones constantly sh- shouting the words, get out of there, <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> and this is the scene where it happens. Uh, he outruns multiple a times. falling building. He does, while constantly yelling, get out of there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, a building explodes and we see a big fuck off wide shot. Yeah, you can see... You can see the distance that yeah. he needs to cover 
and also like get past and beyond in order to save Kelly and the kid. Yeah. And it's not possible. No. Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> his big plan, his big rescue plan, is to run directly into the into the splash zone of an entire apartment block. And again, his daughter is just uselessly rooted to the spot. Oh yeah. Yeah. His plan is to just push them over. Exactly where they already stand. He just pushes them over. These are the things that happen in Hollywood films. Nobody thought Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, no, well, <laughs> that can't be the ending, right? Yeah. This is <laughs> like his... you need to at least jump down like some manhole cover or yeah, or something. <laughs> Snatch him up and drag him back into a a, a thing. No time, baby. No, no. <laughs> because it's all happening in slow mo. Apparently, buildings fall slowly. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things where Mick, Mick Jackson gets exposed. He is no action director. You know, we didn't really mention it, but there's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones does out jump lava yes. and they post production slow mo the Ooh. shot and it is oh well, it's he, tough. It's, yeah. it's it's a tough thing I to mean, look you're watching at. Him, like, he looks so clumsy and I think it's because he's wearing fucking cowboy boots. He's <laughs> <laughs> just clumping around the place in Cuban heels. And then everyone's looking for Rourke, you know, it's like, yeah, forget about the lava. It's a bit like the Rocky ending where we don't really care about the fight. We don't care about the lava. We just want to know did Mick did Mike make go the distance and save Kelly and the kid? And lo and behold. Oh he just pops up. He just pops his arm and he's a bit dusty. And they intercut that and how utterly thrilled Amy is to see him again. They intercut that with the lava hitting the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, that is one clumsy crosscut they've got going. Jim, as far as we can tell through the clouds of dust and rubble, this audacious plan seems to be working. It looks Relieved like city officials are breathing their first sigh of relief in many hours as this desperate strategy looks like it's paying off. And in the tree-like area, there is rejoicing as the lava... Mike Ward. So Keith David picks up the kid who caused the you know main issue at the end with old Kelly Rourke and, and Mike, yeah. and he's like, "Where? Which one's your parents?" And to be fair, this is pre nine eleven. Everyone's covered in dust. Yeah, that's good. So point. you know, if this was post nine eleven, you would be going, "Oh, some yeah. post nine eleven imagery," but it's pre nine eleven. And Keith David is doing pure white face. Uh, they basically managed covered everyone in dust. And Keith David says to the kid, "You know which one's your which one's your parents?" And the kid just says, "Looks like." Is this really the time to say, you know what, let's hold up a mirror at our society and let's look at, let's, instead of focusing on our differences, 
we're all the same, baby. Well, we're all the same in the face of lava. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what we need. And and they even mention it before about like, again, we've talked about some of the social politics. You know, Anne Hesch mentions earlier in the film, we're just paying for our arrogance, you know. Oh, the arrogance of LA. The arrogance of LA. So, Devlin, we've just gone through Volcano with a little bit of Dante's Peak. Uh, so I'm going to ask you two questions. Which one wins the battle of the 90s volcano disaster film? Yeah. And would you recommend people delve into the bargain bin and go and seek out Volcano? Dante's Peak always gets held up as the the sensible one, you know, the, the better made film, the, uh, the film that's more of a film. I would argue that Dante's Peak is also stupid as fuck. <laughs> Um, it just, it, however, it doesn't have the decency to be openly, blatantly, shamelessly stupid as fuck. Volcano is a dumb film and a dumb film that is just reveling in its absolute nonsense. Mike Rourke spends the film actually doing stuff and he decides he decides that he himself as a guy is gonna beat a volcano into submission (laughs) twice uh pierce brosnan's best plan is to drive into a mine shaft and get a broken arm uh which is disappointing for a protagonist so uh for me if i can wrap both of those up into one answer i would say um get into that bargain bin and watch Volcano because that shit rattles through <laughs> at a tremendous pace. You will barely even realize that you were at the end. How about you? Dante's Peak or Volcano? Oh, it's Volcano. Hands down is the winner between these two. Dante's Peak is attempting to be a serious, dramatic, thrill ride disaster movie. Volcano is attempting that but is failing at every turn. And I actually think that I would rather watch a commendable failure than a boring sort of success in Dante's Peak. You know, Tommy Lee Jones is just running around, shouting, barking orders. All the supporting actors, I think, do a really good job because there's nothing in this script. The subplots that they sprinkle through in this multi-story disaster film are ridiculous. And most of them don't pay off in any way. The social politics I could do without. If you are after a switch your brain off movie over the Christmas period, Volcano is the one. Because I think with a couple of beers, you can have a real laugh with this one. So, yes, I am going to surprisingly, after dogging on it for (laughs) an hour and a half, I'm going to say, yes, people should watch Volcano. If only to remember how things used to be. People were like, wow. Weather, nature, it's going to kill us. It's our greatest foe. So yes, go and watch Volcano. It's bloody brilliant. So, should we say our goodbyes, Devlin? Indeed. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, if you got this far. If you did. I applaud you. (laughs) Indeed. You can find Volcano on Amazon Prime at the minute. It's £3.50 to rent. Get it on Sky. 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 being an idiot. Paid for both. Yeah, I I also paid. I spent seven pounds just this week on volcano. You need you need beer, <laughs> otherwise it will hurt your head. There are reasons why this podcast fell apart towards <laughs> the end. All right, so it's uh, it's Galley in Croydon <laughs> signing out, and Devlin 
also in Croydon <laughs> for once. And remember, it's still active on Wilshire. <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.